from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I'm so excited because we... Y'all listeners know that we produce this show uh, out of our car where we live. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, just everything's very, um, I don't want to say lo-fi or DIY. It's it's a little DIY, a high-tech DIY. (laughs) But we got the hell out of the coffee shops and got a co-work space Mm -hmm. yesterday. It's great. I love it. I mean, one day I love it. Yeah, we well, once. yeah, we haven't had a chance we'll to dislike it. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool to just be like, okay, I know exactly where to go. There's plenty of outlets, plenty of shares. Yep. Nobody yep. is here to do anything but work. Yep. So that was that was a nice. I'm not dropping, you know, seventy five dollars for coffee <laughs> to justify my presence here. No, no baristas are casually looking over, going, "When the hell are they going to leave?" <laughs> I remember thinking it would be too expensive. And then we did the math and we were like, "Mm, no, No. (laughs) it is a fraction of the cost of going to a coffee shop every single day. And it's like minutes away from our house. Yeah. So perfect. We are. uh, What do they say? Blessed and highly favored. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's us. No, the coolest thing, though, is we saw so many friends this week. Oh, my God. Molly was in town. Hi, Molly. I know you listen. So hello. Oh, so good to Um, see Molly. Really awesome to see her. And we saw a lot of friends in the course of seeing her. (laughs) We got to get together with other friends we hadn't Mm -hmm. seen in a while. And the best part of moving is when you come back and visit. Right. uh, You see a lot of people at once. Mm -hmm. And then the best part of your friend moving because they come back and visit and all your friends get together. And you're like, oh, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and then it was our friend Sammy's birthday, so we got to go sing karaoke, Today. and 
Yeah, it was just been a nice social calendar this week. Uh, Sammy listens too. You better say hello to That's her. That's right. We're hey, hear about Sammy, Sammy. I need you listen. <laughs> regularly text. We, Sammy and I were just talking yesterday because she texted me one of my own jokes from the show. <laughs> and it took me a second to figure out what she was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah. Amazing. It's out of the blue. I love that. That's it's so great. Feels like such a compliment. It is. <laughs> to be I'm... like, I wanted you to know how dead I am from this trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we have an awesome story, so I think we should just go for it. I'm Are ready. you ready yes. for this one? Because I was really into this one. Because today we want to tell you guys about Tura Satana, who is the lead star of the 1970s cult classic B movie, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. <laughs> Uh, which is just a great movie. She was a busty and beautiful Japanese-American woman. She had an incredibly tough childhood, but that made her an incredibly tough woman. She became a burlesque dancer. She had cameos in several films. Obviously, she starred in Fast Pussycat. She had a black belt in karate. She passed info to the FBI about the mafia. She beat the shit out of some rapists. She had flings with Frank Sinatra, Joe DiMaggio. She even taught Elvis how to kiss. This is just one irrepressibly badass bitch, and we cannot wait to tell you about her. So faster, Eli, record, record. Yes, it's going. Let's go. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Tura was born... Tura Yamaguchi in 1938 in Hokkaido, Japan. Her mother was a Native American and Scotch-Irish circus performer. Uh, And her father was a Japanese and Filipino silent movie star. What a combo. I know. I would love, like, (laughs) what a life. Yeah, (laughs) They must be very interesting people (laughs) just have around you. Mom's cooking dinner, like, on her, walking on her hands. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Dad's miming. Whatever. (laughs) Eating. Eating, yeah. (laughs) He's like, don't walk on your hands and then make it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat this because you made it with your feet. But <laughs> I'm going to you're going to believe I'm eating it. Now, the family moved to America in 1942, but that wasn't really the best time to be Japanese in America. Uh, that is the year that the U.S. decided to round up 110,000 men, women and children and put them in military style internment camps for the duration of the war. Oh, boy. So Tura and her father were separated from her mother and sent to Manzanar, which is one of 10 such internment camps. And they were there for several years. And then when the war was over, they did get to reunite with her mother and they moved to Chicago. Now, Tura had a really tough time in this uh, Polish Jewish Italian neighborhood on the west side of Chicago. She says that she was tormented daily as what she called, quote, a tojo or a monkey person. Awful thing to say to anyone. Um, She also had to fight her way to and from school. She developed very early. She had like a very voluptuous figure when she was very young. And she tried to hide this by wearing baggy clothes. But when she was about 10 years old, her mother sent her to buy some bread. On her way back from the bakery, Tora was grabbed and thrown into a car where five men brutally raped her and then pushed her back out in the street. This cop showed up, but he turned out to be a cousin of one of the rapists. Oh, God. Yeah, and then even worse than that, these guys managed to pay off the judge. Tura described it herself. She said, quote, $1,000 for a little girl's virginity. Oh. And the case, of course, never went to trial. Oh. 
The judge told her that she had, quote, enticed the men into raping her. He called her a juvenile delinquent. And as a punishment for this 10-year-old girl being raped, she was sent to a reform school. It is. I want to understand who you are to look at a 10-year-old girl in the eye and tell her she enticed five men into raping her. Like, no, no, she did not. Yeah, that is a sick horrible thing to say aside from the fact that no one has ever enticed anyone into raping them right now Turo's parents responded to this attack in some interesting ways firstly Turo's father started teaching her martial arts like aikido and karate in the hopes that she would be able to protect herself in the future since obviously probably had very little faith in the justice system at this point yeah so Turo rounded up some other girls in her neighborhood and started a girl gang called the Angels that roamed around like ready to beat the ass okay. of anyone who was bothering young women in the area. Go Angels. Okay, she was like, I'm just determined that what happened to her would not happen to anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's an amazing response. Eventually, she would go on to earn a green belt in Aikido and a black belt in karate. But her parents also thought that a husband might be the answer for Tura's, like, rowdiness and, like, her fighting and everything. And so they arranged a marriage for her when she was only 13 years old to a 17-year-old family friend named John Satana in Mississippi. Both these people too young to be married. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. And the marriage, of course, only lasted about nine months. Yeah. Tura shook off her husband, but she kept the cool last name and she fled to Los Angeles. She had a fake ID and she got hired to dance at the Trocadero Club on Sunset Boulevard. And then she was working as a swimsuit model by the time she was only 15 years old. At some point, she caught the eye of silent comedy film star Harold Lloyd, who's the best. Uh, I mean... I don't know him personally, but his movies. I was movies. like, oh, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> Harold Lloyd was always, I, I liked him the most. In, yeah, he, he has a movies. very interesting career. Yeah. Uh, by this point, Harold was experimenting with photography and he was taking nude photos of stars like Betty Page and Tura modeled for him too. Now, he apparently did not know that she was underage at the time because she had this fake ID and she looked much more mature than, right. than her age. She is featured in the book of his photos, which was later published by his granddaughter, called Harold Lloyd's Hollywood Nudes in 3D, <laughs> which I got—I haven't seen this book. Are they like blue and red pictures? They have know, to wear right? the, the old style 3D glasses on. I <laughs> or is it a pop-up too, book? Because he, he said he was experimenting <laughs> with 3D photography. So yeah. I was like, are they like pop-up <laughs> images? Or, and the tits come popping out. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Tura credits Harold Lloyd with giving her the confidence to get into acting. In an interview for Jimmy McDonough's biography on Russ Meyer called Big Bosoms and Square Jaws, she said, quote, I saw myself as an ugly child. Mr. Lloyd said, the camera loves your face. You should be seen. Mm-hmm. But she went back to Chicago first and started making a name for herself in Illinois nightclubs. First, she performed under the stage name Galatea after the Greek myth of the statue that Pygmalion sculpted and fell in love with. So she did this act where Galatea came to life. Um, And then she began performing in a kimono as Miss Japan Beautiful. And she became famous for her tassel act, which blended, you know, sexy dancing with martial arts and acrobatics. So it was really a unique act. Um, She described it for the Chicago Tribune, quote, I wore a Japanese kimono and a huge headdress, and I carried my own Buddha. He would sit on a stool on the stage. After the dance routine, I'd take a very small harakiri knife and pretend to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, this act sounds great. That's pretty great. <laughs> Very creative. Now, according to Edmund Vallon's blog, Mafia History, Tura eventually started earning around $1,000 a week, what? which would be, let's see, worth around $10,000 today. Dang, okay. Insane money. That's half a million a year in Hello. today's money. But one of the theaters that she performed in was the Follies Burlesque Theater in Chicago, which was mob controlled, of course, like most of the entertainment industry at the time. <laughs> right. Edmund Vallon says that it was owned by the brother of mafioso Nick Cursella. And while she was dancing there in the mid-1950s, she caught the eye of Henry Susk, who was a, a wealthy auto dealer with mafia connections. And the two of them got romantically involved. And then Tura was introduced to Susk's associate, Gus Alex, who was this mafia big shot. I mean, this is a guy, you know, cement shoes, sleeping <laughs> with the fishes. <laughs> you know, take the cannoli. I know, especially Chicago. You're like right in the in the thick yeah. of the mafia yeah, accent. It was <laughs> kind of a thing in Chicago for a while there. <laughs> sort of big. Valen writes that Gus Alex, quote, supervised gambling and vice in Chicago's underworld and eventually rose to its upper echelon. He was a top target of the FBI. Satana developed an intimate relationship with Alex that attracted the FBI's attention. And that is when Tura Satana started passing info to the feds. Mm-hmm. It's the spy shit. And she, like, she wasn't so close to these mafia guys that she could give the FBI anything super juicy. Like, I know he killed this guy or something right. like that. But one piece of information that she passed to them turned out to be pretty crucial. Um, she told them about a suite at Chicago's St. Clair Hotel that Gus Alex used for meetings or to make incriminating phone calls. She told her handler, William Romer, that, quote, all the top Chicago hoodlums used it. And she was able to provide the floor plan in case the feds wanted to bug the room, as well as warn them that the manager of the hotel was really friendly with Alex and he would definitely tip him off immediately if anyone started asking any questions. Additionally, she told them the fake name that the suite was rented under and how the manager would cater lunch so that their meetings, the mob meetings, would be uninterrupted. Oh, okay. Uh, Unclear exactly how this information managed to play into their investigations, but Romer wrote in his memoirs that, quote, as the years went by, this information was to serve me very well. Oh, okay. (laughs) So they definitely got some good info from Bug in the Room or maybe they, I picture them like getting wheeled in with the cater lunch and they're like hiding under the cart like in Ocean's (laughs) Eleven. (laughs) Well, it was also at the Follies in Chicago, apparently, that Tura caught the eye of an as yet unknown Elvis Presley. According to her, she taught him everything he knew about locking lips and shaking hips. And we're going to hear about how she got him all shook up right after this. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Lucky. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, thank you very much. So Tourisatana is dancing with this giant Buddha on stage. She's doing all kinds of cool martial arts moves in the mid-1950s when Elvis Presley himself became smitten with her. Tura claims that they met in Biloxi a year before while she was touring. And then when he was in town to perform at the Chicago Theater, he caught her act at the Follies and he went backstage to say hi. Mm. You're like, excuse me, man, uh, uh, I was just looking for the bathroom and... Uh, <laughs> Couldn't help but have a, oh, I didn't realize this is where all the performers are and, uh, and the agents like to hang out. You remember me from Biloxi? Whoa, 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 watch the shoes. <laughs> I'm really sensitive about my shoes and uh, I'll write a song about it. Mm, you should star in Elvis. I should star. Opposite Tom Hanks. Yeah, they, <laughs> uh, let's reboot last year's Elvis movie. <laughs> it's time for a gritty Elvis reboot. <laughs> Get a uh, man in his late 30s <laughs> to play a young Elvis Presley. Uh, Pamela DeBar in her 2008 book, Let's Spend the Night Together, Backstage Secrets of Rock Muses and Super Groupies, wrote that, quote, he wanted to know how she did the slide and the splits at the same time, how she did the shimmy, how she shook all over. He was quite intrigued. So Tura gave Elvis some of them hip shimmy lessons that he would go on to make famous. Hmm. Who knew Elvis borrowed part of his act from a minority person and then use that to <laughs> earn fame. I know. It, it does track, doesn't it? <laughs> now, they did start dating, but Tura was not satisfied by what she called Elvis's, quote, wet fish kisses. Wow. <laughs> Damn, Elvis did not have game. I know, right? It's really demystifying this sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I know we don't do romantic advice on this show, but y'all get your kiss game together. Get your kisses. Those wet, I know those wet fish kisses. I know, and they are gross. Ugh. They're like real tight lips. Oh, I was thinking real loose lips. Well, yeah. Well, Floppy or lips. I said or. Oh, or real tight lips. <laughs> now, to me, I mean, lips. you need lips like concrete. You know, you got to go in tight and hard. That's what I always <laughs> say about kissing. <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> People ask a lot, and that's how I respond. 
That's why we don't do romantic tips on this show, because that's the kind of advice you get. Like a vice grip, you know? I want to feel like your face is being sucked off by a jellyfish. (laughs) Yeah. You know, loose lips sink ships. Tight lips swing hips. Oh. That's what I always say. Wow. That's what you always say? I only say a few things, and I say them constantly. And that's the one. Yeah. (laughs) You should get some new sayings. Just freshen it up for 2023. (laughs) So, yeah, Tura said Elvis was kissing like a wet fish, so she had to give him some lessons on the art of French kissing. Ooh la la. And she described to Pamela DeBar like a series of secret dates that they went on. They even had dinner together at her parents' house and, quote, more intimate tutorials in the bedroom. Uh, so she was really getting Elvis together. Wow, <laughs> she yeah. She was getting him together. She's like, you got all the managers and the agents and the and the vocal instructors in the world, but mm-hmm. who's teaching you what really matters? The art of love. <laughs> <laughs> Tura said that Elvis was, quote, a very considerate lover and the old type Southern gentleman, always saying, yes, ma'am, until I told him to stop because he was making me feel 100 years old. He said, what should I call you, sugar? I said, that's good enough. (laughs) I'm picturing, of course, in bed, him saying, that's my own. Yes, my own. (laughs) She's like, "Mm, just like that. Yes, "Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. That was amazing, Elvis. Let me hold the door for you. She's like, we're in bed. There's no door. There's no door. I'll find a door. I'll open it. It <laughs> just gets up and opens the door. <laughs> for no reason. She's Sorry. like, people now, people can see me. It's that Southern charm. I can't help. Well, Elvis was smitten enough with Tura that he eventually proposed to her. Wow. But she turned him down. She explained in 2008, quote, I told him if anyone knew about us being engaged, it would cost him his career. Which honestly might be true. Um, you know, it not only would it be an interracial marriage, which anyone who heard our Sammy Davis Jr. episode knows that nobody was into at yeah. that time. Um, but it would also be a marriage uh, with a nude model and dancer. And that would really hurt Elvis's like all American boy image right. that he would later craft. So she went on to say, quote, I tried to give his ring back and he told me to keep it. He said, you will always have a part of me with you. And I still have it. It's a solitaire diamond, about three carats. Well, he could afford a three carat diamond ring (laughs) and afford to say, no, you keep it. I know. Right. I feel like he'd be like, all right, I'll take that. (laughs) She claims that Elvis was stuck on her enough to insist that his wife Priscilla dress like her. Uh, wearing gobs of black eyeliner and long flowing black hair that he'd, quote, have her put up in a big ponytail or a huge beehive like mine. Okay, but the Chicago Museum points out that her timeline doesn't really line up with Elvis's career. And I got to say, it's a bit weird to be like, I'm going to make my wife style herself after my Mm ex-girlfriend. That's strange for anybody to me, but, you know. I I mean, I... I, Weirder things have definitely happened. Sure, sure. Now, in the Chicago Magazine's estimation, Tura's story about Elvis coming backstage at the Follies to see her would have happened around 1955, but he didn't perform in Chicago until 57. Mm. And Tura also gets no mention in either of the definitive Elvis Presley biographies. By 1967, when Elvis married Priscilla, heavy eyeliner and big beehives were kind of hugely popular of a trend already. Mm -hmm. So Priscilla's style might not have had that much to do with Tura herself. 
Yeah. But, you know, other sources say it's still possible. Uh, Tura might have simply mistaken some of the dates or places through just, you know, quirks of memory. Right. I you tell don't you remember everything perfectly. I don't know the difference between 2015 and 2017 right now. Like, literally, <laughs> if you gave me two events and said which one happened in which year, not a chance. Right. Good luck to you. Because and that's true. If you're, if you're like, I'm just dancing in a club. It's sometime in the mid 50s. And I met Elvis. Yeah. Like if you got the year wrong, it's like, I yeah, don't know. It, okay. it's still possible. And she did live in Mississippi. Yeah. If she says he lived, you know, they met in Biloxi and stuff. So, there, mm-hmm. you know, there is some threads for sure. You could pull yeah. and see if they were real. And you could see them leaving out, leaving it out of his biography. I mean, his image to this day is curated. You know what I mean? Like, that is true. Elvis is a... And I mean, even... Oh, he was in love with this lady and then they didn't get married. That's not that interesting. Like, would you not want to focus more on the person he did marry? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Um, Or she's making it up. She has a crazy life story. It's a crazy story (laughs) that she could have totally made up. And who would would be able to say otherwise? Right, to like add to her own legend Uh and stuff. uh Like, I can see that too. She does like her legend. You know what I mean? She has a a crafted image as well. Mm -hmm. And to that point, she's... Got some other stories, like okay. Tana also apparently hooked up with baseball legend Joe DiMaggio. Hey. Uh, she did, however, say that Elvis was a much better lover. Mm. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Foul ball. No home run this time. <laughs> uh, she told Pamela DeBar, quote, I always felt like Joe was comparing me to Marilyn. He was a very strange person, subdued and reticent. He wasn't a good lover, but he wasn't bad either. Mm. Which, again, like, it sounds like someone's self-inflating story to say, oh, yeah, I slept with Joe DiMaggio and he was just always comparing me to Marilyn Monroe. You I know, know like, right? I don't know. Maybe. I suppose he would. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's... We we have him on our list as well to do. We sure uh, do. My cousin Alex uh, is is. I keep telling him we're about to do that story. I know, right? We got to get get on it. Yeah, it's a lot. We got to get to it. And he definitely was like, that's who he 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 probably compared every woman to Marilyn. Wouldn't you? I guess if you were with Marilyn Monroe, it's true. So you could definitely see it. But yeah, I also I mean, you know, he was not a good lover, but he wasn't bad either. Kind of says to me that maybe they just weren't sexually compatible. Like, oh, you know, sure. sometimes yeah. you need something more right. to have a good to have a good right. time in bed. But not always, because she also slept with old blue eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, oh. who Tura said, quote, was built like a stud horse and knew what he was doing. Now, that's the most believable thing <laughs> know, she right? said. <laughs> like, you could say that about anyone could say that about Frank and people would be like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah tracks. that sounds right. <laughs> I feel like the man got practice. <laughs> I know that much. He had no shortage of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and she claimed that Bond girl Ursula Andress hit on her at a party at Frank Sinatra's house. Okay. Also, in a profile for fanzine, Tura said, quote, everyone was singing. Dean, Judy, Jack Lemon, everyone. Ugh. Ursula Andress saw me at the bar and she comes up to my side and asks me if I've had my first girl yet. Oh. Tura apparently explained to her that once she had slept with every single man in the world, then she'd be ready for her first girl. (laughs) But, quote, not till then, sweetie. (laughs) Okay. Okay, but Ursula Andress would be a pretty good get for your first girl. (laughs) Look, there's nothing wrong with being... You know, being clear about your heterosexuality, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's right. fine. That's right. That's right. But uh, I feel like Ursula Andress would uh, certainly 
could be a tipping point. I know. I'd be like, well, I mean, <laughs> get get another dude over here and we can maybe make some happen. <laughs> Just for the experience. Where's Frank? <laughs> I, <laughs> get Frank over here. Get Frank over here. We'll make it work. I want so bad. Well, okay. I I want so badly and I want so badly to not be at this party <laughs> with Dean Martin, Judy Garland, Jack uh-huh. Lemon, Frank oh Sinatra, God. Ursula Andress. Like, what a time. I don't, I, we talked about this, I think, recently. But we watched... Babylon, just yes. you know, which is earlier than this, but old, old Hollywood. There's just this era of Hollywood where I'm like, it sounds so fun and also so chaotic oh, and God. dangerous oh, and God. miserable at the same time. But I would love to pop in for one mm-hmm. party in my little time machine. Like exactly in yeah. our time travel agency, where we yes. get to go to very specific parties in history. Uh-huh. This is one <laughs> well, that should be on the list. That's. Oh my God! You know everybody's like, "Who would you? Who would you kill if you had a time machine? What would you do with one thing? What no. party would you go what to? Party? Not oh who would you have dinner God. with? None of that stuff. You have a time machine, and you could pop into one party where they won't really know you're there because it's so crazy. Right? Where are you gonna go? And it makes sense because like it's time travel, so you're you're afraid, you know, to fuck something up and yeah. change the future, or whatever. It's a party, so like just go. No one will notice you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's not much you can do except right. like kill someone at this party, maybe, but like. Well, Otherwise, you or, just party and have a good time and leave and do very little to the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> but unless still get to experience. you and I end up sleeping with Ursula Andress. Well, and changing and her life forever. She, yeah, she can't get her mind off us. <laughs> she just starts performing badly. Really she never becomes cinema honey. History. Yeah. <laughs> then what? Then what? And what have we done? Oh, God. Oh, no, we'll have to can... get back in the time machine. Take it all back. Oh, God. But you we'll still have our memories, here. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, write in. Tell us which party you would go to with a time machine in history. Because oh I would I would love those answers. We'll we'll read them yes. out on the show. We have had a few parties on our show that we have said we would go to. Yes. So I would definitely love to hear what y'all think. Okay, and then Tura Satana's daughter, Kalani, was born in nineteen fifty seven when Tura was nineteen. And her second daughter, Jade Kim, was born in 1969. Now Tura claims that her baby daddies are jazz crooner Tony Bennett. And the Birds actor, Rod Taylor. But she does not specify which kid belongs to which dad anywhere that we could find. Um, The only thing I could see was somebody asked if her daughter had a Australian accent. And she said, uh, because Rod Taylor is Australian. Uh And she said, no, but Rod Taylor didn't either when I was with him. (laughs) (laughs) Also, do they know that? accents aren't genetic okay i was like i don't know well it was actually a really cute little write-up where he was like he was meeting her after a screening and he was super nervous and he was like i was just trying to think of something cool to say because i really idolized her and why are you the lamest person ever when you're around someone that you idolize it was like the only thing i could think of which i find relatable (laughs) i wonder what tony bennett has got to say about this. Right. And I did I did look at Tony Bennett and Rod Taylor's Wikipedia pages, at least, and no mention of Tura on either yeah. of them or any kids like with her or anything. Right, so again, right. it's, you know, who knows what yeah. she's embellishing or what they are willing to admit to or whatever. Who cares? Or who cares? Let's exactly. take it all at face value. It's I know. more fun that way. Well, I was kind of like, pretty much everyone involved, I mean, Tony Bennett is still with us, I believe, but uh-huh. pretty much everyone involved is dead. So like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I fucked Elvis. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you say so. So Tura's on-screen career really started to kick off in the early 1960s. She's, she's doing all this stuff before she even all a right. movie star, right? IndieWire.com writes that she, quote, earned her guild card on the TV show Hawaiian Eye after being spotted dancing at the Los Angeles Follies by a Warner Brothers scout. In this, she would have played a sexy secretary in 1959, but it must be said that if she was on that show, it was never listed on her IMDb credits page. Mm -hmm. Most sources say that her first on-screen role was actually in the Shirley MacLaine Jack Lemmon movie musical Irma La Douce. Mm. The story is that the director of this movie, Billy Wilder, and his wife decided to go hang out at the Pink Pussycat in West Hollywood one night when Tura happened to be dancing. And they were just like totally enraptured with her performance. They realized that she was the perfect person to play Suzette Wong, who was one of Irma's fellow Parisian prostitutes in the movie. Mm -hmm. Tura told Ruth Stein in an interview for SFGate.com that she had the same number of costumes as Shirley MacLaine, saying, quote, I had one with tassels hanging off the end of my boobs. Billy just loved those things. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Wilder, tassel Uh, fan. Tassel fan. After that role, she landed another cameo as a stripper in Dean Martin's Who's Been Sleeping in My Bed? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love the names of movies, old movies. (laughs) I know, right? And probably a question Dean Martin asked often. All the time. Like, he's like, who that? Now, Tura is also uncredited for that role in in Who's Been Sleeping in My Bed. But she apparently also was the choreographer for Carol Burnett. Whoa. uh, Which would be so dope just to work with Carol Burnett for an hour. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Uh, She also got other roles in television. Television shows like Burke's Law and The Man from Uncle in 1964, which crossover alert also featured a very young Kurt Russell. Hey. Hey, hey. We know him from our episode about him. That's right. Him and Goldie. <laughs> but it was softcore king Russ Meyer who gave her her most famous role. And while she was working on Irma LaDuce, she got the call to come read for Russ's movie Leather Girls. And IndieWire says she didn't have time to change between work and the audition, so she showed up in the wedding dress she was wearing for the film. (laughs) And he handed her the script. He asked her how she'd play it. She responded, quote, I'd make her kind of feminine, but also a bitch on wheels. (laughs) After her cold read, Russ told her, quote, you are definitely Varla. And she got the part. And the title of the film was changed to Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. (laughs) Which is a great title. It's so great, and if, I, I don't, I don't know if y'all have seen this, but it is just the wackiest movie. Oh yeah, it's this whole kind of style of filmmaking. You're into it or you're not. That's exactly, for sure. Yes. And I was not for a while, but I, I came to appreciate this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so campy and ridiculous, overacted, and, yeah. and crazy. But it is really fun. It's just in, shouting in every line. Mm-hmm. Like there's no subtlety to the performance. No, there's no like no such nuance thing as subtext. to the story. Yeah, <laughs> there's no text. subtext. Uh, this was a sexploitation B-movie, and it basically kicked off the female action hero. The tagline was. Super women, belted, buckled, and booted. <laughs> and it was just unlike anything movie audiences had ever seen before. Uh, it's probably unlike anything you've seen now, now unless you've yeah. seen the many things copying it, mm-hmm. you know, it, since then. Varla, her character, was the leader of a killer girl gang of go-go dancers. Yes! I love it already. During the movie, as Dazed Digital writes, she, quote, drag races across the desert unleashes some of the cattiest one-liners to have hit celluloid, most of them improvised, and generally kicks patriarchal ass. 
Noise. Now, the movie, you know, it didn't win any Oscars. <laughs> it should not. <laughs> <laughs> but it did have a major influence on filmmakers like John Waters and Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. It, God, John Waters especially. I mean, oh, this yeah. is just like his whole vibe. Absolutely. King of, king of filth, right? Mm-hmm. Critic Roger Ebert once wrote, quote, What attracts audiences is not sex and not really violence either, but a pop art fantasy image of powerful women filmed with high energy and exaggerated in a way that seems bizarre and unnatural until you realize Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal play more or less the same characters without the bras, of course. Maybe they should have the bras. (laughs) But I think that's... Have you thought about that, Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you change the format a little. Now, um, I bet Arnold would wear one, but Steven would not. Steven Seagal would never wear one. Agreed. Well, Arnold was great at teasing himself Very and like, true. finding the comedy in his own image. That's one of the best things about Arnold's movies, especially his comedies. Oh, yeah. It's like he knows how silly he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Uh, Seagal, way too self-serious. No, there's no way. He yeah. Is. But I think this is such a great quote from, obviously, Roger Ebert, who knows what he's talking about, um, <laughs> that it's not really all that different from something like Commando or mm-hmm. Cliffhanger or something where it's kind of ridiculous. Right. I think it's I think Myers movies are a little more uh, frenetic, mm-hmm. you know, a little more chaotic and, and admit a little more of their own silliness. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. And you're like, well. How can you like it when he does it? Yeah. It would be interesting to see uh, something like Faster Pussycat, but made by a team of women. Because, of sure. course, like Commando and stuff like that are made by teams of men. Yeah. So their idea of hyper-masculinization and stuff is all playing out. This is still sort of Russ Meyer. You know, there's still a male gaze element to it, I guess. You didn't know that Commando is directed by Jane Campion? Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. I would That's totally false. watch Jane Campion's version of Commando. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> now, Varla in Faster Pussycat was also a revolutionary role in the way that it pushed back against existing stereotypes of Asian women. Mm. Now, even in Tura's burlesque act, which obviously played on audiences' geisha girl fantasies, you know, she's in a kimono, she's dancing with a Buddha, she's definitely playing into that. But it didn't adhere to the stereotypes because she had these incredible costuming and authentic martial arts moves and a lot of sly humor that she incorporated that kind of lifted, kind of elevated it from just regular geisha girl stuff. Dazed Digital writes, quote, as the fearsome protagonist of Faster Pussycat, she smashed through the Hollywood stereotype of Asian women being sexually available and submissive, crushing dull all-American boys under her knee-high boots. And... You know, it would be wrong to give creator and director Russ Meyer all the credit for this, because even he said that he and Tura Satana made Faster Pussycat together. And apparently he was not great at sharing credit. So <laughs> it was quite something for him <laughs> wow. to to shout her out. Um, and it makes sense because she performed her own stunts. She choreographed her fight scenes and several other people's fight scenes. And she ad-libbed most of Varla's best lines. For example, in one scene, a guy is like ogling her cleavage as he talks about wanting to see America. And Tura retorts, quote, you won't find it down there, Columbus. (laughs) 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 Oh, turn those three ships around. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. 
Uh, Russ Meyer apparently had a rule that no one was allowed to have sex while they were making this movie. It's probably just to avoid a bunch of problems between actors because, right. you Drama-rama. know. Drama-rama. Drama-rama. <laughs> but Tura refused. According to Ruth Stein, she said, quote, I told him I had to have sex every day because otherwise I get very frustrated. He said, we're filming in the middle of a desert. Where are you going to find anyone? I said, that's my problem. <laughs> get some boys out here. Oh, that's here. funny. I had read it. That's my problem. That's my problem. Oh, like maybe she so. Had to find, I don't know. Either nope. way, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. That's my problem. You don't worry about that, Russ. <laughs> I'll take care of that part. <laughs> the film itself cost $45,000 to make. It came out in the summer of 1965, and it became a cult classic. And she never worked with Russ Meyer again, but she was cast in two Ted V. Michaels movies, The Astro Zombies in 1968 <laughs> and The Doll Squad in 1973. Ugh, amazing. I have not seen those two. Me neither. And uh, I did I did read an article that said, like, The Astro Zombies is, is like, not as good as Faster Pussycat. Sure. It's, like, even more campy and stuff. But her character in it is apparently really cool. Okay. Um. But another just very, just two very B-movie style stuff. And apparently Russ Meyer did regret never casting her again. Sure. He he wished that they had worked together yeah, more. Yeah, because that movie is still being talked about. All right. Most I know, of his I others thinking, are not. Mm, yeah, you might have wanted her by your side. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Tura's got all this experience. She's been playing these badass killers. And she was actually more like Varla than anyone realized because she took all that knowledge and experience and then she spent 15 years tracking down each and every one of her childhood rapists to exact some sweet revenge. Oh yeah. And we'll get into those breaks right after this break. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. 
I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back, everybody. So, yeah, not only did Tura form her own girl gang as a kid, uh, again, they were called the Angels, and they wore, like, motorcycle jackets and jeans and boots and wandered around trying to beat the ass of any dude <laughs> trying to get fresh. Awesome. Um, but she was also determined that her own rapists would get some form of justice, even if it had to come from her own fists. <laughs> she said it took around 15 years for her to track them all down. And while there's not a lot of detail out there, Tura did describe some of her punishments to Michael Musto in a 1996 interview for Village Voice. They included taking off pieces of skin with her nails, Ugh. kicking one guy in the face and in the crotch, Voice? and hanging another guy by his genitals. So he now speaks, quote, in a very high voice. <laughs> <laughs> she also said, quote, they never knew who I was until I told them. And I mean... Yeah, this is the movie I want to watch because <laughs> you could just see her at like heavy winged eyeliner, big hair, right. you know, badass leather outfit, standing over some piece of shit, being like, remember a 10 year old girl you raped in your car? Well, guess what, bitch? She's me. And she's about to rip your dick off. <laughs> like, you <know>? like, <laughs> right. You won't find it down there, Columbus. <laughs> I've I've woof. Yeah. Do it. Go get him. I love it. I, I, love, I, it. Love, I hope it. that is true. Again, you I know. I hope that it's true, and I hope she was very sure. <laughs> uh, exactly, right. Out. Right. Very good point. Uh, but I'm, I guess if they went through a whole, like, court situation, yeah. she probably has their faces pretty yeah. clearly in her mind. And look, so. she might have had a, a couple of connections with the old FBI still. Very true. So, very true. So, yeah. Or mob connections. Either Ooh, way. mob connections. They could That'll find do them. it. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Now, after the movie The Doll Squad wrapped up, Tura decided that she was going to leave show business and spend more time with her daughters, Kalani and Jade. She got back into nursing, which she had actually intended to go into when she was in high school. She got a job at a hospital, but she did continue dancing. But then an ex-boyfriend showed up at her club and shot at her twice. Uh, he hit her once in the stomach. Damn. By the time, and no word on which ex-boyfriend, we assume it wasn't Elvis. No, in uh, fact, one, no, <laughs> that would be crazy. Wasn't in fact, mentioned in his biography, oddly enough. he shot a lady in the tub. <laughs> yeah, Boss Lerman uh, conveniently <laughs> left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> By the time that Tura was out of the hospital, she decided to give up dancing as well. And according to The Guardian, changes were made to California licensing laws that made most nightclub owners decide that everyone would have to perform topless. But Tura, she really liked those tassels that she wore. So mm -hmm. she said, yeah, nuts to that. Not doing it. I'm done. I'm a burlesque dancer. Uh -huh. I don't do all that shit. No nips from me. No nips from Satana. <laughs> she worked as a nurse and later as a police dispatch operator for the LAPD. And maybe that's how she met her second husband, Endel German, a former police officer who she married in 1981. What a life. Like starting Seriously. out as a dancer at the Trocadero. Right. And a swimsuit model. Uh-huh. Get some time in Hollywood, some time with the mob. Uh-huh. And then you become a dispatch operator for the LAPD. It's so weird. I love looking at, like, one-time movie stars, mm -hmm. you know, people who are like, oh, the, you know, just, just one-hit wonders, you know? Yeah. And then, be, like, they got out of the business. And you're like, what are they doing now? Oh, they're a vet. Yeah. Oh, they work at a it, at the stockyards. 
Like it could be anything. People got to continue having lives. No, very true. They're like real estate agent, like uh-huh. vanilla. Oh ice. yeah, <laughs> but like just like just vanilla like ice. Vanilla ice. <laughs> and not long after she married Endel German, though, Tura was hit by a car. Ah. Um, it was going sixty miles per hour in a twenty-five mile per hour zone, Excuse and the driver was unlicensed, me. and it broke her back. Ugh. Tura spent two years in and out of the hospital recovering. She required two major operations and around 15 smaller ones. Um, And her doctors warned her that she may never walk again. But Tura, of course, replied, quote, not only will I walk again, Doc, but I'm going to do everything else I used to do. Columbus. Columbus. That's right. (laughs) And aside you know, from her impressive martial arts moves, she did keep that promise. She couldn't quite, you know, do the kicks and crazy yeah. shit that she used to do. But otherwise, she she walked and ran around. She did her, her regular life. So awesome. Nice job, Tura. She went on to work hotel security in Reno, Nevada. So she must have had an OK back. Yeah, right. <laughs> to drag those drunks out of the casino sometimes. But honestly, her smartest move was to trademark her own name and image, which meant anytime Russ Meyer reissued Faster Pussycat or altered the poster, he had to pay her again. Nice. <laughs> Smart. Now, at first, this probably didn't matter because the movie was a flop, but it became a cult classic over the years. And besides all the ubiquitous T-shirts and poster prints, Tura also ended up cashing in on a Halloween mask and an action figure. Hell yeah, please make me an action figure. I know. Now, a lot of opinions about the movie Faster Pussycat have changed with time. Like this one feminist film critic, uh, B. Ruby Rich, who coined the term new queer cinema, saw the movie when it came out, and she said she was, quote, absolutely outraged that I had been forced to watch this misogynist film that objectified women and that was really just short of softcore porn. But then she watched it again in the 1990s and she, quote, just loved it (laughs) and ended up doing a whole talk about how films get edited by history because the movie was one thing in the 70s. And then in what she called the, quote, heyday of queer culture in the 90s, it meant something completely different. I thought that was a really interesting point. Yeah. Like sometimes you make a movie and it just isn't for its own time. Right. But as time goes on, it becomes more and more appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because culture changes around it. So right. I, I found right. that really fascinating or less appreciated. You know, the other flip side being you you watch it. You know, there's so many movies now that people are like, I can't even it's like 2000s it, yeah. era comedies and stuff. You're like, I can't even watch it. so right. uncomfortable. I laughed my ass off at the time. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, I can't stop thinking about, like, you know, things I've heard about how people are harmed by this kind of language or right. or, this, or movies like this or whatever. And you're like, well, it's okay that I laughed at this then and don't want to now. Like, that's... That's, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. The context of your entire world that you're existing in has changed. And that's OK. Right. I, I saw on Reddit the other day people talking about movies that have, you know, aged in different ways, like we're talking about. And somebody was like, you know, had brought up Blazing Saddles and they were, you know, really hard mm-hmm. defending it. A lot of most people were almost no one was attacking it. Um, but I know you and I saw Blazing Saddles for the first time fairly recently. I think I had seen it before, yeah. but but you had not. Right. And um, and I love Mel Brooks. I mean, I grew, like when I was a kid, Robin Hood Men in Tights and oh, Spaceballs yeah. were like my favorite movies, but I just never got around to that one. And while I'm like, yeah, I mean, people defend this. They're, they're like, this was is a really brilliant movie. And it is. It's it's funny. It's got a lot of commentary that's very biting and, uh, you know, can work 
really well in some contexts. And also just for me at the time that I saw it, it was kind of hard to watch. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, not going to tell anybody they're wrong for liking it or, or, or vice versa. It's just also subjective art people. Hello. That's very true, too. You know? Yeah, it's hard to have a wrong opinion about art. Yeah. The point is that you you get to look at it and react yeah. to it, yeah. period. You've got to let people love things and you've got to let people hate things. Yeah, it's true. You know, I used to, whoo, I used to get pretty frustrated when people didn't like something that I liked and really brought up myself a lot of peace when I was like, it's okay. Does it matter? Yeah. How, how, again, you know, in terms of the collective human experience, how lame is it? If we all liked and disliked the same things. Mm -hmm. I mean, why are we all living the same life here, people? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Although I do love the scene in Blazing Saddles when he holds himself hostage. And oh he's God. kind of doing both stereotypes of black right. people at the same time. Yes. And it was, it's so clever. And it does help to know that Richard Pryor wrote like all, all of that character yeah. stuff and everything and not Mel Brooks sitting here like throwing the N-word around. <laughs> um, but... But I feel you. We did watch it and we were like, hey, yeah, yeah, hey. <laughs> you would just have to do it differently today. That's all. Well, and if, I wish... if you wanted to make the same points, you would have to do it differently. I and, think. And, yeah. And that's not to say that, like, it's it shouldn't exist today or it's mm -hmm. wrong for existing right. or whatever. It's just like, yeah, you would approach you. Now, I don't even think you would have to make it different. A lot of people say, like, this movie couldn't get made today. And I'm like, it could. People just might not respond to it well. Or That's you would true, find yeah. different ways to approach the same subject, mm -hmm. you know, because we already had Blazing Saddles. So are we not building off of that? Yeah, totally. Right? Why would you make it today? You couldn't <laughs> make it today because Blazing Saddles already exists. You can't make something in the vacuum of that movie not existing because it does. Right. But no, there's some amazing stuff in that movie. It's 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 clearly brilliant. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're so far off subject. I know. We're really. All right. Meanwhile. So all that to say, B. Ruby Rich changed her mind. Yes. And meanwhile, John Waters loved Faster Pussycat from the get go. He wrote that it was, quote, beyond a doubt, the best movie ever made. It is possibly better than any film that will be made in the future. <laughs> And when he watched it years later, he simply stated that it, quote, aged like a fine wine. <laughs> there was a rumored reboot of Faster Pussycat Kill Kill with, of course, Quentin Tarantino Actually. attached. And he was apparently considering Britney Spears to come play Varla, according to Vice. Huh. Now, Tura, when asked about this, simply said that if Tarantino ever went through with the project, quote, I'd kill him. He'd kill my part. <laughs> So I'd kill him. And I got to say, I believe her. I believe her, too. I think she would straight up kill Bill, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure she was kidding, but, but <laughs> I think, it's still, I don't know. I think she'd I show up at his house <laughs> and five-point palm-exploding heart trick that guy. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino was like, ha, ha, ha. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he believed Actually, her, too. Uh, That's why he didn't make it. <laughs> I don't think... I do think Britney Spears is a strange choice. Well, he just wanted... You know, I, I could see where he's like, I want... Someone who's not going to look like a natural actress in this part, mm -hmm. because that's that's how Tura played it. So I could see Tarantino being like, I want n a non-actress, like, right. you know, a performer. I want a performer to play this, a stage presence, but mm -hmm. not necessarily a, a believable. Right. I guess it's more the martial arts stuff that I'm not seeing I mean, Britney Spears being yeah, able to do necessarily. Yeah. Like, why not find a like an MMA fighter or something? Sure. You know, I mean, she's a dancer, so she could probably do some of the moves. That's true. She but has yeah. some acrobatic skills. Maybe she could have pulled off the vision Tarantino was looking for. I don't know. He didn't. <laughs> and we're probably better off for it. I was about to say. It's <laughs> probably best we don't know. 
Tura Satana also became a regular at cult film conventions, of sure. course. And even though she had a pacemaker put in in 2003, she was like tougher than ever. Uh, in one interview, she talks about being at a convention to do a signing. And one over-enthusiastic fan hid in her hotel room afterward oh, and then like popped out to reveal himself. Well, guess what happened? Tura described it, quote, he went flying across the room and wound up with a broken arm, busted nose, and a badly twisted leg. <laughs> the house detective carried him out. <laughs> Amazing. So she's like, I might have a pacemaker and I might have broke my back, but I'm still going to kick your fucking ass if you hide in my room. Yeah, hell no. So, yeah, Tura's still kicking ass. Uh, as Russ Meyer himself once said, quote, Tura was extremely capable. She knew how to handle herself. Don't fuck with her. And if you have to fuck her, do it well. She might turn on you. <laughs> Damn. Wow, that's uh, uh, important advice. <laughs> like she, he, listen, she told Elvis to his face he kissed like a wet fish, so be careful. Right. <laughs> She's got, you know, that's my problem. <laughs> that's my problem. Exactly. Oh, that's my problem. <laughs> In one interview, Satana said, quote, I learned to be tough because of what life kept handing me. Mm. I could either go down for the count or I could get up and kick ass. There you go. Words to live by. For real. Endel German, Tura's second husband, died in 2000. Tura never remarried. She passed away from heart failure on February 4th, 2011 in Reno, Nevada, leaving behind her two daughters, Kalani and Jade, two sisters, Pamela and Kim, and a really cool life story. Yeah, for real. I mean, just a dope legend. <laughs> it really is. And again, I mean, obviously there's... Questions, questions about <laughs> right about you know obviously a lot of this came from her interviews mm -hmm. how she described her life not necessarily corroborated by the people she right. said she was interacting with mm -hmm. but it's one of those stories where i'm like i don't care right. like this is a great story if you tell me an amazing story and then at the end you're like and it's true and be like, okay, that part wasn't what I was cool. worried about. <laughs> I, I just thought it was awesome. Right. <laughs> it's really rad to have a life where any of this could have happened. Yes. Like, even if we don't know for sure. Right. It, there, she has the, the connection. She was in the right places yep. at the right times. You know, it is possible. Yeah. And I I mean, if I said I'd done any of this, there's no chance that they would believe me. <laughs> so. Yeah, if you walked in and were like, I slept with... Uh, I don't know, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> you know, be like, okay, mm. I taught Ryan Gosling how to kiss. Right. You know, like, okay, right. When we all uh, ever in the same place. It's not, doesn't quite track with the what I do know to be true. <laughs> right. But she lived a life in which any of this could be real. Uh, for real. She was a, she was really cool. <laughs> I, I liked her as Satana. <laughs> she was. I mean, we've got to watch that movie again. Yes, I do want to watch it. We did do, um. Once Upon a Time with our theater company uh, did a Russ Meyer send up and yeah. everybody had to wear these giant fake boobs and big hair. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But we I think we watched at least some of it for when we, we watched were this whole movie. That. OK, yeah, maybe even another one. But uh, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, yeah, for research for that, you know, and research. to get our acting together uh -huh. <laughs> and our aesthetics <laughs> together and everything. We were, I mean, our whole group was always uh, very into like John Waters mm -hmm. and that kind of whole aesthetic. Yeah. That camp and uh, hyper stylized over the top sort of stuff. It wasn't what I came into the group having a background in. No. Our friends, but like our, you know, our friends, James and Rob and a lot of others who were just like, that was the stuff they loved. Mm -hmm. 
and they they got us into it too. It's it's pretty amazing. You got to open yourself up to it. Yeah. You've got to kind of change your vision of what a movie should look and sound and feel like, I think, because I think it's one of those things where very early on, not even very early on, but like, you know, even, even in high school or college, I could have watched that movie and said, this is trash. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to sit through this? But you kind of like put that away and say, well, wait a minute, this isn't. I'm not watching, you know, Christopher Nolan here. Right. I'm 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 engaging in a completely different experience and I shouldn't be comparing them. Right. And they're not trying to make that. Right. So it, did they really fail? Right. No. You know what I mean? Like Russ Meyer was not trying to make Schindler's List. He was trying to make yeah. Faster Pussycat. Yeah. And he succeeded. Right. I mean, and it's the difference between riding on a, a, a luxury jet and a carnival ride, mm-hmm. you know, like this, yeah. you're not supposed to compare them. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and you like, enjoy this is them. Nothing like Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> Vomit all over the floor. <laughs> you enjoy them in very different ways for very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So have to recommend seeing Faster Pussycat out there. If yeah. anyone uh, wants to check it out, you yeah. should. You should because it is time. definitely a. A snapshot of cinema history also. <laughs> it's a, like a 60s B-movie. Oh, there's yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. like them. Yeah. Like, there's just nothing like a 60s B-movie or any any type of exploitation, like black exploitation, sexploitation. It's like, They're all so interesting and have their place. <laughs> yeah, and I think also give you a different kind of appreciation for things like Tarantino and John Waters and stuff like that, mm-hmm. kind of seeing what was inspiring them to do things the way they do them, which is very different. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I'm even hit or miss with Tarantino a lot of the times. And I, I can't stand him as a person, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've watched his movies differently after I saw some of the sort of source material movies that he relied on yeah well we hope you enjoyed this story as much as we did it was so fun to kind of go to the 70s and and get out of the literary world (laughs) i know right (laughs) no more western european authors this week (laughs) not this week yeah there's Um, more (laughs) don't worry but yeah, we hope you enjoyed her as much as we did. Um, as always, we love to hear from you. Uh-huh. Reach out. Let us know what you thought of this episode or what parties through history you would love to attend. Please tell us. Our email address is radicromance at gmail.com. That's right. You can find us also on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ograde. It's Eli. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And the show is at Radic Romance. That's right. And thanks so much for spending your time with us. Yeah. We love hanging out with y'all and we will see you next time. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 